0: Hi, everybody. Um, good afternoon. This is Melissa Groman, and I'm here today feeling very blessed to have with me Eileen Alexander, um, who is a Reiki master, and I'm going to read um, Eileen's bio. It's her passion to offer compassionate, compassion and love, as well as personal and professional experience to support others in discovering their own path to inner peace inspiration and abundance upon embarking on her own personal search for peace and healing eileen found herself surrounded by amazing resources many teachers and spiritual paths each of which appeared and continue to appear in her life at the perfect time each offered a different aspect of insight and support allowing her to step into her own power open her heart and embrace her own inner guidance Eileen has deep gratitude for each of these teachers as well as for her family and friends, the nameless strangers who have made a difference without knowing, and for life and grief, both also very powerful teachers. Eileen's practice consists of a mosaic of therapeutic modalities tailored to the needs of each individual client. These include an influence of yogic and spirit, other spiritual philosophies, energy work, and intuition. Eileen is a – oh, you're going to have to help me, Eileen – an Usui Reiki master? Usui. Usui. I should know this. Reiki master, Asui. a certified life, life and grief coach, a registered yoga and Reiki and meditation teacher. She has additional training in children's yoga and yoga for cancer. Eileen is also a certified grief facilitator and a member of ACEP, the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology. And you can find more information about Eileen at her website eileenalexander.com, and there's a link right here on on um, the Voices of Recovery, Hope and Healing website, also. So, Eileen, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so, I'm just looking again at the bio that I just read, and one of the reasons I I felt very inspired to invite you and I'm so happy that you agreed to come and talk today is because I love the the whole flow of what you say in terms of finding inner peace and finding your own path and your own power and um, embrace your own inner guidance and I think that you know my listeners and the people that are tuning in have had some experience with emotional pain and are in the process of recovery and trying to find their own sense of self and peace. And I think that that's a subject you know a lot about.
1: I do. I do. It kind of describes my life.
0: (laughs) So I wanted to invite you to maybe start and just tell your story. And um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to jump in with some questions. But I think that your story really um, speaks volumes about resiliency and um, many other things. You've had some shocking and difficult things happen in your life, and I'm grateful that you're, you're willing to talk with us about it. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute and just invite you to tell your story.
1: Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I guess what I'll start with is... Um you know, for many years when I was younger, um, you know, I talk a lot now about going inside and finding inner peace. And I spent so much of my life, or in my early years, looking for that peace on the outside, and um, it led me down many paths, um, the path of addiction. Um, I spent a good part of my teen years and twenties um, being involved um, in the world of addiction, both my own addiction and people around me. Um, you know, and it, it put on a lot of heartache. Um, I was always looking outside of myself for things. Nothing seemed to work. I was always in pain. I just never felt like I could find any kind of peace. And um, the drugs, the alcohol, they took me to a place where I found what I thought was temporary release but it was so temporary and it just made everything so much worse. I didn't know where to turn or how to get out of it. I wanted to. And it, it, it just led me down so many different paths, um, so many different ways of, of hurting myself, emotionally, physically, um, abusive relationships, all, all kinds of things. And um, finally, one day, um, I stumbled into a 12-step recovery program. And it took me a little while to really embrace that program, but what I found there was a room full of people, many rooms full of people, just like me from so many different walks of life, in so many different positions, um, you know, race, creed, religion, addiction has no boundaries. There are so many different types of addiction, and each one of them, um, they all have the same result: they drain us of who we are. We forget who we are. You know, we lose the core of our being. And I walked into these rooms and I found the support um, to help me start moving back in the direction of who I was. Of, helping me to begin to embrace myself again. Um, And it was a long journey. There was a lot of of pain, a lot of, um, there were a lot of beliefs I had about myself, about my situation, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt that I didn't know how to let go of. And I got so much support um, from the people in these programs, um, from the different spiritual principles that I learned, and it gave me such a wonderful foundation to start my life over again I entered recovery when I was 31 years old. I have three daughters. Um, I dragged them through my addiction as well. And um,
0: So let me just jump in. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I, there's some, so many things you've already said that I wanted to hear more about. But one of the things I'm wondering about is what, what helped you to take that first step into the rooms or into from turning around into, like you said, hurting yourself and being lost and deciding to look for something better? Um, honestly,
1: I reached a point, they call it the a bottom. Some people, um, it's more of a physical bottom. Mine was an emotional bottom. I didn't have the courage to kill myself, and I didn't have the desire to live anymore. You know, And I had these three kids, and I loved them desperately, and that wasn't enough. You know, I had to start loving me. And somewhere in my desperation, one day I, I had been trying to help um, the man that was in my life at the time get clean. And so I was trying to get him into all these programs. And somewhere I saw a spark um, of me. I, I just became aware that I was still in here somewhere, that there was some kind of hope. I just couldn't see it. And so I, I think, you know, between that and just looking in, in the faces of my children, um, it just motivated me to to try something. It was like a last-ditch effort. It was almost like, okay, I'm going to try this, and if this doesn't work, then I'm just going to give up.
0: Right, and it worked.
1: And it worked. I, I don't know, like I said in the beginning, when I first walked into recovery, I don't, I don't know that I fully bought into it. I don't know if I really believed it could save me, but I felt something. I felt hope. I, I, I found other people who in my shoes. They understood exactly what I was going through and they were no longer standing in the place I was standing. They were able to begin to make the journey back to wholeness. So yeah, you know, I,
0: and that, that is hopeful. I think that when we're in emotional pain, I mean, I know for me that when I've been in very severe emotional pain that I tend to think yeah, I'm the only one and really no one else gets it. No one else could possibly understand what this feels like and I almost feel like if somebody is in a different place and they're not hurting themselves in some way or they have some sort of serenity, that they, then they probably didn't know how bad it was.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's so isolating. It's so, um, it just, addiction just, it separates us from each other. You know, it made me feel like I was, I was so different than everybody else. I forgot that human connection.
0: yeah. yeah. So, just to turn us to your story for a minute, or maybe hopefully more than a minute, um, after you were in recovery for a little while, you shared with me that um, the unthinkable happened in your life, and you're willing to talk about that.
1: I am. I am. Um, Yeah, it was actually 16 years into my recovery. Um, I actually no, that's not true. It was 10 years into my recovery. Um, I. Um you know, like I said I have three beautiful daughters, and um, we had done a lot of reparation on our relationship through the course of my recovery. I'm very grateful for that. Um, my oldest daughter had moved to Florida. She was actually a therapist. she was working with families um, and children, and she was going to school for her master's degree and she um, was living with her husband out there and she went for a job one day in a family park um, at five o'clock in the afternoon and Somebody abducted her off the trail of the jogging uh, trail, and she was murdered. And I received a phone call from my youngest daughter, who happened to be out there with her um, for a college orientation, telling me that she was missing, that they found her car and they couldn't find her. And, um, you know, I got on a plane, and I was out there um, in the wee hours of the morning sitting in this park, and they found my daughter's body, um, that day, the next day when I got there. And I felt like my whole world was spinning out of control. I had gotten to a point in my life, you know, through, through different spiritual paths um, as a result of my recovery that I felt like my life was in such a perfect place. Everything seemed so perfect. I just couldn't imagine, you know, I could have lived the rest of my life that way. And, um, you know, one day, one phone call, and everything's changed. Um. Yeah, so that, that happened, and, you know, when that happened, I felt, again, like I didn't know if I wanted to live or die. I couldn't imagine. I knew I wanted to live, but I didn't know how. I couldn't imagine how I was going to get past the pain, like how I was going to, I, I remember sitting in meetings and sitting with friends, and all I would just say is, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I don't know. And by this, I meant live. Um, right. So, yeah. Why was, did you want to live?
0: I I know that sounds like a a wild question, but after so much pain, after such a shocking, uh, unpredictable, upending, I don't even have the words, you know, but what made you know that somehow you wanted to go forward?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, the easy answer would be, you know, I I have, you know, two other daughters, um, you know, as a result of um, getting my life back through, you know, the to recovery I, I you know I married a wonderful man I had my parents there were so many people that I loved and I knew loved me so there was that but also there was something inside of me it was almost like um like this pain was a familiar place it was a different form but I'd been here before and I knew that I had moved past it like I, I there was something inside of me I knew that there was still life in me she was gone but I was still here you know, and there, there came a time very early in this process of grief that I realized that I didn't want, she would she would have hated it for her death to define the rest of my life in a negative way. And so I just, I, I initially it was the support of so many people. I had such a good foundation. You know, in, in recovery I had so many um, people that loved and supported me and were willing to hold me up. But I was, there was something inside me that was willing to accept that support. You know, There were times that I pushed that support away that I wanted to isolate and be alone. And in those times, I felt myself sinking deeper into that dark place where it, it didn't seem to matter whether I lived or died. But there was always that spark, that, and I think it was a memory, you know, that I had been in very deep, dark depression before and I had managed to come through it. But there had to be a way to get through this, too. I didn't know what that was, but I just felt like there had to be something.
0: So um, can you say just another few words about that dark place? Because I think that, again, sometimes when we're in it, we don't think anybody else gets it, and you certainly get it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that dark place. Well, I just... Uh, joy seemed like it didn't exist. I couldn't I couldn't reach out and grab onto any kind of a positive feeling. There was just none of this made sense. I kind of, you know how I felt? I felt like life was just a cruel joke. Like I couldn't understand why if there was a god, if there was, you know, anything that I believed in, that why they would like what what purpose could this serve? How could there be good in this? A question I learned to ask myself through my years of recovery is, what gifts can I find in this situation? You know, and, you know, negative situations as well as positive situations. And when I was in that black place, there were no gifts. My daughter was gone. She never hurt anybody. She was such a wonderful human being. All she ever did was help people. And she was gone. I couldn't hear her voice. I couldn't talk to her. I couldn't touch her. I couldn't smell her. I couldn't hug her. It just seemed that none of it made any sense. I just wanted to be gone. I just didn't, just didn't make any sense. That, that's what it felt like. It just felt like, what is this all about? Why even bother?
0: Right. It's a very dark place. And yes. somehow, somehow there was a process that followed, and I know that that process is not a fast process. Um, no. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about
1: the process um yes um it's an ongoing process i mean grief is it's a constant traveling companion you know we've all had forms of grief in our life and you know death is by far not the only form of grief and so it's a process and and it's it's something i have grown to embrace as opposed to get over or get through you know um I think what clicked for me was that I couldn't change it. She was gone. Death had visited my life in a very personal and close way. And I couldn't just banish it. I couldn't forget about it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose her. You know? um, so I realized, like everything else in my recovery, what I needed to do was find a new perspective. And so I believe my journey was a hunt for things that I could embrace that could change my perspective. Not just put a Band-Aid on it, because there was no Band-Aid big enough. Um, a way to embrace this. You know, so what I started to do was I just started to talk to people that it felt good to talk to. That I felt peace. So good isn't the word. Peace. I was looking for peace. Not joy, not happiness, not comfort. I didn't think any of those things were in my reach in the beginning. I was looking for peace. And I was drawn to different things, um, different people, different places, different things. I went to a wonderful spiritual center that I was drawn to for a little while. That led me to look for other modalities, meditation, yoga. And then I wandered into um, this Reiki practitioner's office one day. And what I found was um, through the Reiki, through the meditation, through the yoga, was the way to leave the anxiety that engulfed me every single day and night. Um, the biggest part of my process was letting go of the fear of the anxiety that I would feel when the sun started to go down.
0: Wow. Could you I, say a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. What that um, was like. Yeah. It reminded me of the peak of my addiction. Um, something about the loss of light, like... All of a sudden, it was nighttime, and it felt like nighttime would never end, and I would be sitting there just doing whatever I would normally do, and all of a sudden, my chest, it felt like my heart was going to just pop right out of it. I couldn't breathe, and just my limbs, like I wanted to, it sounds crazy, but I I wanted to kick my legs into a wall to just stop whatever was going on in them. I just felt like everything inside of me was moving, and I had no control over anything, I used to get in the car at 2 or 3 in the morning and just drive around endlessly for hours because something about just being outside and driving gave me a little bit of relief. Um, I felt so alone. You know, my husband was here. He would have sat and talked to me. I didn't feel like there was anything anybody could say or do. I didn't want anybody to touch me. As lonely as I felt, I didn't want to be held. I didn't want to be comforted. I, I didn't want to be loved. I just... It was just the anxiety was something that was just, it's so hard to explain.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you, you are explaining it. And we know one of the reasons, I mean, even though it's such a, it, you know, it's in the darkness. But, again, I think that there is a lot of pain and in, in people that, and we don't necessarily, again, really know that there are other people that not only really do understand that place that you were describing, But have come out from it, um, maybe slowly, slowly, and through what you're saying, through being open to different processes and different modalities, which is kind of a cold word, but different things coming into your life. Um, And it's not a straight line. My experience with pain and grief has been that it's not a straight line, um, that it weaves and dips and curls back around and... I don't know if that's been your experience as well.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. My the sixth anniversary of my daughter's death um, was June 10th of this year, and you know every year it gets different. But I, it, it's funny every year. My friend of mine said to me, "You say that every year. Every year I get taken by surprise at how the cellular memory works in my body. How you know." certain times of the day, like on June 11th, at the time they found her, I had my first anxiety attack this year, and I think it's been two years since I had an anxiety attack at all, and out of nowhere, and I looked at the clock, and it was right around the time they found her, and it was like, I've learned, like, instead of, like, it started to scare me, and then I reminded myself, like, it's okay, this is what happens, it's okay, so I think you learn to ride the wave of grief. That it doesn't necessarily go away, but you learn to embrace it and you learn to use different tools to um, to just allow it and not not let it take you over. Those, those nights when it would get dark and the anxiety would come on, I remember thinking that daytime would never come. And if I allow myself to feed into the fear, I could believe again that daytime will never come, and that's when the hopelessness sets in.
0: So one of the things you're saying in terms of tools is that letting the feeling come and letting the feeling go, and it will go, it rides over like a wave, but somehow in some part of our being we don't have to get on the wave or it's like the train comes into the station and we can know it's there, but we don't have to get on the train. The train can pull back out of the station and that that coming and going is something that you've Come to trust that the feeling won't take over and stay it will recede
1: exactly yeah it's like i've learned to become an observer of what's going on inside of my body instead of being swallowed by it
0: yeah and how does that how does that come to be that sort of being able to not react to all of our feelings what do you what do you think makes that up
1: um, I think it was definitely, like I, I, I followed, I just followed my intuition as to where to go. I didn't even know that's what I was doing at the time, but I think I, I took a little piece of each of the places that I visited, the people that I met, the little techniques that seemed to work for me. Um, meditation, there was a beautiful meditation that I've learned over the years that helps me so much when I'm feeling something like that. Um, what we tend to do is think we need to move away from it, and so we move away from our feelings. And we think we're moving away, but what we're really doing is stuffing them down, or at least that's what I was doing, stuffing them down, and they were just waiting to explode. So instead of doing that, I learned to, um, when I feel that anxiety coming in, I I breathe in the anxiety. I welcome it into my body. I I let it get really mixed in with all of the the air that's in my lungs, the the energy in my body, and it just kind of dissipates. And when I breathe out, I breathe out love for our people or I breathe out peace, whatever it is that I feel like I need in the moment. And as I'm doing this, I'm reminding myself that if I'm feeling this, other people are too. I'm not alone. And there's something in the knowing that I'm not alone that allows the hope in. Because when I feel like I'm alone and nobody understands, and this is so isolated, there's no hope. The minute I'm able to remind myself, if I'm feeling this, other people are too. Yeah. It, it just, yeah. Not that it makes sense, but it, on some level, it just makes more sense. There's a reason to keep moving.
0: It it does make sense, and you know, one of the things that you said earlier that I wanted to come back to was that you accepted support, and I'm guessing that that means you accepted support from. Well, I know that you got support from various different places, but that you had the idea that you weren't in fact alone, and that you could. Let those things in as a tool to decide that yes, you would let in what supportive, positive, understanding people were willing to give you.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and you know, I found the more that I became willing, um, again, my intuition kicked in. And I, you know, I, again, looking back, I know that it was my intuition back then. I don't know if I realized it then, but, but so that I would I could I would sense who it was okay to open up to and there were so many people and they weren't, they weren't necessarily the people that I thought if I logically thought about it I would let in you know, um, it wasn't necessarily my closest friends they were just people who would come and talk to me and you know, had you know, some experience for me in this area or in other areas they just felt right or they listened people that listened they listened to what I had to say and I knew they were hearing me and so it was easier to hear them and a lot of the people that I ended up listening to, they didn't necessarily tell me things that I wanted to hear. They didn't try to make it all better. They, they supported me in finding the answers inside of me. They, they, they supported my strength. They didn't look at me as this crippled, grieving woman, you know, this, this emotionally crippled you know, person inside. They looked at me and they saw my strength and they drew that out from me. They allowed me to step into that.
0: You know, I think that is so key, and I'm so just moved that you're saying it, and I want to really highlight it. And you said before a few minutes ago about intuition and the idea that you have this in you. We have a healthy self. We have an innately healthy self and an intuition that works. And when it's clouded by addiction and, and also when we're in emotional pain, it's harder to access that intuition. But when you were understood and you were open to being heard and to having people be with you, that sort of like the blocks got removed. Is that what you're saying and the intuition, your own intuition, your own healthy intuition was able to come forward?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like these people held a space for me to be who I really was inside. I forgot who I was. I forgot how strong I was. I forgot power of being able to change my perspective on anything even death i felt i was a victim and then all of a sudden these people held a space where i wasn't a victim anymore
0: and we do have that power in a subtle way we really have that power to change how we experience things and how we think about things
1: we absolutely do i mean perspective is everything and and also accepting feelings is so important, too, I think. To, you know, I've learned things like sad isn't bad, and grief is an emotion, just like joy is an emotion. They're all necessary.
0: Right. It doesn't mean that we won't feel or feel difficult feelings. It means that we'll be able to be with them in a new way. Exactly.
1: And, and, and the more I let myself move through them rather than try to stop them, I found that I was able to move through them much more quickly, like it wasn't you know, it wasn't the nails like you know, trying to hold on you know, I just kind of like went through it and I found in a lot of cases that by trying to avoid my feelings causing myself so much more pain
0: Yes, that fighting and avoiding is not the route and certain and hurting ourselves in various ways also isn't the route, even though it seems like a possibility for short term relief, that it really isn't that there is a different way to do it
1: Yeah, absolutely, because, yeah, because when you're stuck there, it seems like, I mean, you know, when I talked about, like, wanting to kick my legs into the wall, I think that was it. It was almost like somehow I thought if I did something to feel some kind of physical pain, that it would do something that would somehow help me. Like, I somehow hurt myself physically. Yes. Would do something with this emotion, and, you know, it just so was not the case, but it, it made sense at the time, you know? It made sense at the time.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm speaking of time, I feel like we could, we could talk all day. There's so many things that you said that I was noting that I want to come back to, but one of the main things I want to make sure we get to is your practice of Reiki and mm-hmm. how that has helped your healing and what it is. And I myself have experienced Reiki with you, and it was a transformative experience for me with um, a grief that had been in me. And I, I can't um, say exactly what shifted, but something shifted for me. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on Reiki and to educate us a little bit about what it is.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, Reiki, like I said, I stumbled in on it. Um, a friend of mine had gone to a Reiki practitioner, and at that point I was trying anything. And I was like, I'll go, I'll see what it's about. If I like it, I'll go every once in a while. And I walked into this woman's office and I laid on that table and, you know, what I experienced, well, well, first let me just explain a little bit about Reiki just very generally. Um, Reiki is a very gentle, hands-on, ancient technique that's used to accelerate the body's natural ability to relax, to reduce stress, and to really heal itself on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, it, it's non-invasive. It's very safe for everybody. It's very gentle. Um, you just lay on a, on a, on a massage um, table, fully clothed, and um, it's just a gentle touch by the practitioner. And basically what it is, it's a channeling of more of the energy that's already running through our body into our bodies. Um, our bodies, like everything else, run on energy. And there's seven major energy centers in our physical body you known as chakras. You know, and we live in such a hectic world that um, many of us spend large parts of our day rushing about in fight-or-flight mode, which really is just supposed to be a mode that we, you know, that we click into when we're in danger. But our world is so hectic and so stressful, we live there. And stress causes the energy in our energy centers to drain. So it's kind of like um, when you're working with a rechargeable battery. You know, when the battery, when the energy center is low, the object that's running on that battery can't function properly. It's slow, it's sluggish. When our energy centers are running on low energy, they become slow and sluggish. They don't function properly. They become unbalanced, and our energy flow gets blocked. And these blockages show up as things like anxiety, depression, grief, insomnia. They just intensify everything. So Reiki simply relaxes the body and allows it to go back to its natural state, which is, perfection it, it, it's health it's well-being it's balance so what i experienced when i laid on the table and, and you know it's that then that's the best way i can explain reiki but really the only way to understand reiki is, is to experience it um when i laid on the table i don't know i just i felt these sensations running through me i felt this release at one point i cried In my first session i just cried and cried and cried like I hadn't cried in so long and I felt something inside of me just shift, just shift. It was like these mental blocks, these re- resistance that I had to moving through my grief process just melted away. It just blew my mind. Wow. Um, and the next thing I knew I was, you know, I, I was going back there regularly and I embraced Reiki. I, I uh, learned Reiki. Now I teach Reiki also. Um, it's something that everybody and anybody could do. It's something that a part of us, we just forgot it. We just forgot how to self-soothe ourselves. We forgot how powerful we are. So Reiki, it's, it's accessible to everybody, and it's just an amazing holistic complement to everything, you know, physical, emotional, mental. For me, though, the emotional benefits, the balance that I've received, I, I just I, it's invaluable.
0: Yeah, you know, and and I wanted to say that that was my experience too that I couldn't explain it, but there was a balance that felt restored or shifted and hearing you describe it, I experienced once again what I experienced in your office, which was just such a gentle quieting of my very loud noisy mind. And just the idea that I don't have to always be on the run and on guard, and it was just a a peaceful melting in a way of the noise, among other things, among other things. But just the gentle and tender, loving care, um, both given to me, and also the idea that that is something that we can also give ourselves, you know, that we don't have to be on the harsh, you know, and that that's okay, that there, you know, the opposite maybe of that dark space, I don't know if we could call it the opposite, but of that very dark space is a space that's quiet and peaceful and intuitive and that, you know, there's not always the have to of existing in the chaos of pain. So that was something that I, I, maybe I'm putting my own experience on it, but um, I think it was very gently powerful.
1: Yes, beautiful way to describe it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it it brings you home, you know, it brings you back inside of yourself. I find that, you know, so often I forget to spend time with me and taking care of everything else, and I forget how beautiful it is to just sink back into me.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be, you know, there's different kinds of, you said, think back into you, and I'm thinking, like, there's different ways, you know, I, we always think of isolation, as we were speaking about earlier, as part of the pain and suffering, but there is a kind of quiet that is a positive, peaceful, and good quiet. Yeah. And that's what I think Reiki brings and recovery brings. Um, and yes. one other, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Go ahead. No,
1: yeah, I was going to say it, it's like it's a connection to possibility.
0: It, oh, it's I not love a
1: that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that there is possibility. And, you know, I'm I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking again, I, I, I know we have to wrap up soon, but I yeah. wanted to just um, turn back to, to one more thing because I'm looking again at, where you've come and your path and one of the things that I see and that I hear in you is that part of your process has been service to others through your work and certainly being here today I really feel very, again, honored and blessed and I don't want to sound cliche about it because I really very much appreciate your story and your words and your whole aura Um, and I see that you do service. By service I mean that you are passing along the message and yeah. I thought maybe you could just say a few words about that before we wrap up
1: yeah um, I mean for me service is what I give I get back a hundredfold. Um, I still I'm still involved in the 12 Step Fellowship after 22 years I still sponsor women and help guide them along this path help them find their inner guidance but I also um, I'm a member of um, a wonderful organization um, Call for Karma which brings yoga and Reiki and meditation into different facilities, um, rehabs, cancer centers, um, all different facilities. And they also facilitate this wonderful grief center called the Grief, um, little plug here. <laughs>
0: yes, please <laughs> and, plug. Yeah,
1: in Morristown. Um, and it's this wonderful grief center for children and their families who have lost either a parent or a sibling. Um, and they they really um, they have these great, uh, age-oriented groups from young children three to f- I work with three to five-year-olds there, um, all the way wow. up to adults, and I, I facilitate um, their monthly. Um, and I just, it, it's amazing, you know. You touch the hearts of these children. You teach them to grieve properly. You teach them the value of going inside at such a young age, and you know they don't have to go through this like like I did, um, like so many other people do at an adult age or a teenage. You know, it, they grow up with knowing that it's okay to feel, that it's okay that you're not alone. Wow. So, um,
0: yeah. Powerful. So, and that, yeah. I just want to plug Good Grief again. And does Good Grief have a website?
1: Yeah, they do. It's um, goodgrief.com. Goodgrief.com. Okay,
0: good. Yeah. yeah.
1: And they have another facility also. They opened up last year in Princeton, which is growing rapidly too. So really a great okay. program.
0: Wow, okay, that, it, that's good to know. I'm actually a little bit familiar with Good Grief, so I'm, I'm uh, so happy that it came up and that you mentioned it. And yeah. I want to thank you again. And before we, before we really wrap up for good, um, <laughs> is there anything that you want to leave us with in terms of what to do when you're struggling and looking and, you know, any, any nutshell wrap-ups?
1: Oh, I think the most important thing is to really be kind to yourself and to you know, just be open. I mean, we know what's good for us deep down inside, underneath all that mess, underneath all that pain. You know, reach out a hand and just see what reaches back, and just grab onto it.
0: Wow, that is um, super. And Eileen, I really, I again, sincerely, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and your wisdom with us. Thank you. And yeah.
1: yeah, I want to thank you so much. It was, it was really a privilege and an honor to be able to share this. I, I you know, sharing is how we, how we heal.
0: Yes, I. It is healing. It's healing to talk and to share. And like you have said a few times, as to not do it alone. We don't have to do it alone. No. So um, just to remind our listeners that you can find Eileen at eileenalexander.com, and there's a link right next to this recording on the site. And please visit her. Okay. Thanks, Eileen. Thank you.